welcome to the YBNB Your Body Bees Business Show. It's Friday today, as you know, and today is my business day. Um, Mondays I talk about body, Wednesdays I talk about mindset, and Fridays we talk about business. And when we talk, we generally cover a subject um, and we leave with uh, a few tips for you listeners. And there are a number of you now, so thank you very much for that. Um, sometimes I'm lucky enough to have a guest, and today is one of those, de those days. I've got the lovely Baylor Ziv guest with me. And so, hi, Bela, lovely to see you. Great to see you, and you look fabulous. And we're joining the together. Thank you very much, <laughs> we are. Well, as I said to Bela just now, that uh, this is a great um, example of how you reflect the people that you spend time with, because those of you who watch this, you know sometimes that I come straight out of the gym. In fact, often I do this from the gym, not that I'm allowed to, you know, because Bela will know we, we met at Equinox Gym and we're not allowed really to have the phones out, but. Um, you see, sometimes I'm doing this from the treadmill, and uh, today I knew that I'm going to interview the lovely, glamorous Baylor, so I made a bit of an effort. Um, funny thing with Baylor, we met, we did actually meet in the gym, and um, I always noticed at the end of the gym, not only did she put her, uh, her everything into it, but at the end, it was like a magic wand was waved, and then this wonderful, glamorous vision would come out of the changing room, and she would sit herself down with a coffee and read the FT. And uh, this was day after day after day, and eventually we spoke, and then we've become friends over the last couple of years. And uh, we only just discovered the other day that we actually share a birthday as well. So um, there's something in that. I think that's why we have so much uh, in common. But anyway, Bale has agreed to come on today to talk to us about how to be successful, and in particular, her take on success, having um, had a very uh, illustrious career in finance and uh, banking, she'll explain more. Um, and uh, being a successful real estate investor as well. So Bela, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Give us a bit of background, first of all. Yeah, Angela. Um, I was very daunted by the title, by the way, How to Be Successful, but I, I'll give this a bash. Um, I've come from very humble origins, and I think that was probably the, the best thing that ever happened to me was coming from quite a... Well, it sounds awful to say disadvantage because I don't even want to think about myself in that term, but coming from a background where there was no money and it was just difficult, just to, it was just difficult, made me an incredibly hungry individual. And I think success for me has been about just wanting to get out of where I came from mm -hmm. and defining myself and choosing, choosing what my destiny would be. And I think coming from a sort of tricky background made it easy because I was not coming from anything that was lovely. It was, it was not a great place to be. And I had a very clear view of where I wanted to end up. Um, and I think I was almost manifesting it before manifesting, I think even became a thing. And subliminally, I, I just worked incredibly hard. It was not very glamorous. Uh, at school, I was a SWAT. Um, I read, you know, it's just very nerdy, very, very nerdy start. I read a lot. Um, I managed to get into Oxford, went to Harvard, but just through naturally being curious about the world and also having a very clear view that there was an end point that I wanted to achieve. And that point was independence. Mm. And when um, you were sort of, you know, working out, mapping out that destiny, as you called it, um, there wasn't, you know, we didn't have social media like we have now. So, uh, and you weren't surrounded by, you know, a professional network of individuals sort of opening doors for you and things like that. So a lot of um, your aspirations came from reading. I know you are an avid reader now. I know you read loads of newspapers and things, but that's obviously stood you in, in great stead right from the beginning, hasn't it? 
Well, I've always been very passionate about finance. It was easy to decide what I wanted to do. But going back to earlier point, I, it was actually very lonely. Um, it was it was lonely because there were there was no networking. There was nobody to mentor me. I just had to have be pretty single minded about what my end point was. And just it sounds ruthless, but it, it, it wasn't in a mean way. It was just I was ruthless with myself in a way. And I was very disciplined and very focused on what I wanted to achieve. Um, and, and, and I think when people sort of see, um, you know, someone who's so, sort of glamorous and, you know, you're always having fun, always so smiley and lovely and, you know, you live a wonderful life now. But I think people sometimes think that they can't actually achieve that. But they what they don't see is everything that goes on you know, uh, behind the scenes, all the work, all the late night working, all the head down, all the homework, all the studying to get to somewhere like Oxford. Um, and then to enter this, this uh, what was traditionally a male dominated industry. No, I can guarantee you there was no glamour. There was no Chanel necklaces. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was H&M um, yeah. and CNA at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was grim, but I, I was very passionate about what I was studying. I always, just was very nerdy and very focused on on, on achieving those goals. Mm. Um, so when you joined, um, you know, you, you got your first job, and I know you work you've worked in asset management and hedge funds, and you've worked for some some great names as well. Um, you know, obviously you've climbed through the ranks, and uh, it'd be good to hear a little bit about that because people listening, you know, they work they will work in big corporates, and it was different then. Um, you know, particularly as a female, particularly in the finance industry, where I, I used to see a lot of females feeling the need to be more like a man to succeed in terms of how they looked and how they acted and everything. But um, you kept that very sort of feminine um, persona around you the whole time. You've got two uh, lovely daughters and everything. So tell us how you worked your way through and sort of balance that with your femininity and also, you know, having a family as well. Well, it was a very sexist environment and the trading floors that I worked on were literally 90% men. And I remember how intimidating it used to be as a 20 year old, having to walk to my trading station, walking past 20, 30 traders at 7am in the morning and having to endure their comments about my legs or my skirts or my hair or whatever. And this is way before me too. And you, you just sort of smiled and just walked on and, and didn't take much notice, but it was definitely strengthening to be in that kind of a world. Mm. Um, one point I'd like to make, and I think one of the points that was helped was I focused very much on who I wanted to be as a person, and I wanted to be successful and financially independent, but I've, I, was, I had a very strong urge to be a mother and to have a family. Um, and the way I reconciled that was by very much staying female, and I, I look pretty much like I do now, but, but a bit younger and better, but... Um, Not better. There was no... There was no I definitely never denied my femininity. And I would say my femininity was my asset. And because mm -hmm. I was one of the few women, it was helpful because nobody ever, ever nobody ever forgot who you were. Yeah, that's true, actually. I mean, that's one of the big benefits of being female in that type of environment. Um, and I've experienced it as well, is sometimes, you know, you sit around a table, like a boardroom or something, and um, you, if you're the only female, when you do actually ask a question or you, are, you go to ask a question or make a point, then, um, you know, you, people tend to listen to you and they're, like you say, they remember who you are. So can use these things to your advantage as well. And I think, um, you know, that uh, what you described there, you know, walking to your desk with a whole load of guys, you know, obviously it's banter and everything. And, um, and that is intimidating.
intimidating but if you can get through things like that and you know nowadays <clears throat> that sort of thing will still happen there's still banter in the office and banter in groups and things even if it's not the, the sexist kind um but if you can hold your own in environments like that then this sets you up very much for then going to the next stage which is managing people presenting and you did a lot of that as well didn't you I just want to go back to I, I always want to stay very authentic. So I am somebody who is very nerdy and very sorty, but I also, I, you know, I love clothes, I love shoes, and I wanted to stay that person also at home and in the workplace. So it was important for me not to change my image and just to stay who I am. Mm. Um, but, but going on to the points that you've made, I would say probably the, the two most important skills that I had to learn to become successful. Number one was being able to talk in public and not being intimidated in a room full of men, very clever guys, to put up your hand and make a point, or in a room of 200 people making a presentation. And just, if you're not good, or if you're frightened about how to communicate and make speeches, just get coached, get coaching, get teaching. But being able to speak in public yeah. is probably, was probably one of my most important skills. And I used to do lots of conferences, and that would, again, raise my profile, raise my visibility within the industry. So public speaking and being able to communicate was a key skill. Mm. And I would say the second key skill is being able to climb through the hierarchy by learning how to manage people. And I think that unless, if you're in a large organization, at some point you're gonna be put in charge of people. And if you're viewed as a really good manager, you'll be promoted higher and higher and be asked to manage more and more people. So I would say those two key skills. That, that I could, that, that you, you can definitely learn mm. um, were instrumental in my career. Yes, yeah, two really important points there because both of those you can, you can learn, um, but people are very, very fearful, particularly the first one um, of speaking. And, you know, I was reading, uh, there's someone who came on the show a, um, a couple of months back and he wrote a book called And Death Came Third because actually the fear of public speaking, it, when people in a poll sort of name their top fears, public speaking is the top one. Um, but you can practice, particularly in this environment, on Zoom. It's a much safer space, really, and, and uh, it's a great next step to, um, to, you know, to be doing it in person. And also you can do it very frequently as well, you know, if you want to do a, a, a blog or a, um, or a vlog now, if you're, if you're doing it on video, or even if you want to just go live like we are now, it's really great experience. And at the end of the day, people just really want to hear what you say, not necessarily how you say it or, uh, you know, your accent or anything. It's more about what you're actually saying. Now, that leads to the really the other point, which is to be able to manage people and to be able to do that. You've got to communicate and make sense and be logical. Um, but, you know, any other tips from you about how to be a good manager and a good communicator? I mean, all the cliches come in. So it, there's a few things. It's actually leading by example. There's yeah. no point telling your team to do stuff if you're not doing it yourself. And I was always the first one in, always the last one out. Yeah. Um, having a very good work ethic. Um, the other thing about teams is it's a team. It's not, it's not the Baylor's of guest show. Um, mm. It's teamwork and acknowledging. So I, I worked in asset management and hedge funds for decades. And it's a team effort. When you get those numbers, it's because the whole team is working together mm. and making everybody feel really valued, whether it was my assistant or the top guys in the team. Mm. Um, having a sense of camaraderie and caring just made it a great place to work. Yeah. 
Um, when uh, you decided, you know, to start having your family, and obviously that would involve more challenges, more sort of uh, time commitments, how did you marry that with still progressing within your career? I think like everything, it takes meticulous organization. Um, having having the, the best help I could have for my, my children at home, mm. and I admittedly it was expensive, but having the best childcare made me free up my mind so that during the day I would never worry about my children. Mm. Uh, and just being very, very, very mindful of time and how you manage that. So setting, setting daily goals about what you wanted to achieve every day, setting weekly goals, setting monthly goals, setting annual goals. And it sounds, it sounds like a probably, I don't know, a very anal way to spend your time, but I found that unless I was very strict with my time management, things wouldn't happen. Mm. And, and then that's doing that at the end and seeing you know, where did I, where did that work? Where did that not work? And what can I do better? It's a very, it's a very active thing. And if you involve your children in that, and it sounds funny as they get older, then they embrace that whole way of thinking as well. I mean, people know that, you know, my daughter has co-founded Your Body Means Business with me. And, um, but we look back and we laugh at some situations, you know, when she was tiny, I, I think I may have told you this story where um, I always remember once, you know, there she was in a little, I think they were Lion King slippers or something. And she's standing there and she saw my briefcase and she suddenly flung her teddy at me. And she said, okay, she said, um, your nanny, I'm mummy, and I'm off to Paris. And she picked my briefcase up, which was almost as big as her, and just sort of stomped off, you know. And I felt terrible at the time. I thought, oh my goodness, this is what she thinks that someone else looks after the baby. But you know, she, you know, she's turned into a very well-rounded uh, young woman, as has, as I know your children have as well. Well, the girls, my girls have turned out well, but I must say it wasn't always easy. And living in Switzerland for so many years, where there are literally zero women. In, in, in the workplace, let alone finance. I had to come across some very unhelpful comments. Well, Baylor, you can't be a very good mother if you're not looking after your children or doesn't your husband earn enough money? How come you're, you have to work? Um, and just being strong enough to know inside that I actually am a good mother um, and it doesn't require me being there for my children 24 hours a day. But it, it, it looks easy from the outside, but there were some testing moments when the girls would come and wave goodbye to me at 6 a.m. in the morning when I went up to work and they would they would wave goodbye to mummy and be crying that I was leaving so early. And, and of course, now there's this huge respect and love, but and they know the sacrifices that I made to achieve my position. Mm. Um, but it and does take a few. It does. There are some. It's, it's not sacrifice free. Yeah. I mean, everyone has to make their choices, don't they? And if, if you make a choice that you really want to succeed in something, you know, um, you basically have to prioritize. I'm interested in some of your practices then and now, you know, your daily practices to, to keep you positive, motivated, uh, you know, focused. And um, particularly then, you know, you said some of the unhelpful comments that that can drag you back sometimes and take you off target. So what were they? How have they developed? What are they now to keep you, you know, so, so forward focused? So I think I mentioned earlier, I, I was focused on the end goal and very, very mindful of what that meant before mindfulness and all of that became a thing. Yeah. So I was very clear, because I came from this strange place, I, I was very clear where I wanted to end up. And I knew that the journey would take the time that it would. So that was a very, very important part, was knowing where I wanted to end up. I would say today, um, it sounds like a cliche, but I'm, I'm 
constantly wanting to expand my mind. And I think mm. that's what I was doing then because I had school, I had O-levels, A-levels, you know, Oxbridge exams. But I just have that mindset where I, I want to always come up and, and grow my mind. So I, I read a tremendous amount. Mm. Uh, and that's a very important part of feeling alive, feeling open to new ideas. Yeah. And, and Go on, sorry. I would say second part. And I'd heard about meditating for decades. And I was very, coming from very intellectual tradition, I was pretty resistant to meditating up until relatively recently, I would say. Mm. Now, in the last few years, I would say meditating in the morning and setting my intentionality and getting aligned to what I want to achieve in that day is, is a key part of the, of the morning. And the other thing that I do, which I know, Angela, that your whole business on this is just staying healthy and being very active physically. Yeah. And but you can achieve a balance with that as well, because, you know, you also you know, you travel quite a lot still, um, you, you know, you, you go to nice places, you eat out and things like that. So, you know, you can stay fit, healthy, no matter how old you are and what your responsibilities are. It can be, you know, you can fit it in and, uh, and you can continue to, well, you're a great example of this, to expand both your mind and strengthen your body as well. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about, you know, personal development, both physically and mentally, is that you know that you can be better tomorrow than you are today. And by doing that, you're, you're extending your longevity effectively and, and the impact that potentially you can make. I think you've touched on a very interesting point, which is how women age. And yeah. it's interesting that women are, you know, women never, I'm 50, I don't know how I'm 50 something, can't remember, the, but women are made to feel bad about aging. That yeah. somehow it's not it's not seemly to be aging and at a certain age somehow women disappear or women are not interesting or ugly or so I think part of the journey now that I've sort of established my businesses is defining myself as a woman and what it means to be a woman who isn't 25 but a woman who's in her 50s and part of it is keeping intellectually alive physically alive but also not wanting to be defined by, oh, you know, she's just a middle-aged woman. Yeah. But choosing to be who I want to be, where, you know, what is it somebody said, age is only important for cheese. Well, <laughs> hello there, I'm not a cheese, right? And I think there's a gratefully a new thing where women can feel more empowered even as somebody in their 50s. You don't have to be in your 20s or 30s to be interesting or vibrant or alive and you can define who you want to be in your 50s oh you really can and I, mean, I know that it's hard for people to believe but when you start to read the science and what's happening uh in the world of longevity i mean we will routinely be living to 120 um if not to 150 if not to 180 you know every year that we live healthily uh, the science is moving at such a pace that we are effectively buying ourselves another decade and they believe that in 30 years, we will actually be able to choose how long we live. And I was talking to somebody in their late 70s and sort of explained this. And they said, oh, God, no, I don't want to live to 120. And I said, yeah, but if you feel like you feel now, if you're enjoying life like you are now, why wouldn't you? And if you start to think about the, you know, change your mindset with regard to longevity, um, the truth of the matter is in your 50s, potentially you're not even halfway there. And if you think about it like that, you know, of course, you're going to want to maintain what you've got physically, but certainly develop your brain. We have no idea about the capacity of our brain. And by reading avidly and by expanding our mind, as you said, 
um, it means that we're going to be able to do numerous more careers if that's what we want to do in the, in the future because of course if we're going to be around that long we've got to earn the money to uh you know to pay for our lifestyle so and i think also not, um, and also not being defined by how the media defines a 50 year old woman yeah oh you know she's too old to have long hair or oh she's too old to wear a mini skirt or yeah. you know, who said that if you you know just embrace and decide who you want to be and what you want to be Completely, and, and we share that with Madonna since she shares the same birthday as us as yeah. well. So we're all at the same school of thought there. Um, so people that want to, you know, reinvent themselves, women uh, in particular, since we've been talking about women in business, and let's, it'd be really interesting to get your view on reinventing themselves, not just in their career, but obviously we'll talk about that as well, but maybe physically, you know, if, if they're feeling a bit jaded, they're feeling that they're now, you know, becoming invisible. Everybody else is more important. They're not being looked at. I mean, certainly, you know, you are such an amazing example of this, where when you walk into a room, everybody is, you know, you're going to attract their attention because, you you know, you're so stunning, but you've got so much to say. And, um, you know, this is, this is a real role model. So what sort of advice would you give to any woman? I think it starts with how you feel inside. And I think you can look a certain way but if you don't feel it, so it starts with how you feel about yourself mm -hmm. and sort of explore, exploding with joy. And, and I know that sounds so, it's an everyday thing. So when I meditate every day, I, I focus every day on how do I become as radiant and joyful and happy as I can be. And I have a, ch I have a choice. I can choose how I want to feel that day. I can either be annoyed because it's raining and it's miserable and it's cold and the plumbers come late and the washing machine, or I can say, okay, it's another great day. I'm going to choose how I want to feel mm. and I will reprogram and reset my mind and choose how I want to feel. So I think it all starts with how you feel about yourself inside. And then of course, there's how you visualize yourself and how you want to project yourself to the outside. So part of it comes from how you're feeling, but also I think if you're, exercising if you're feeling great um if you've got a visual ideal and you know thank god we've got so many things that we can cheat with nowadays and we can get our hair blonded and we can get our photox tweaked or whatever it is that, 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 that you can do well let's use it if you want to feel better you've got to sort of look better and it's quite holistic but i think it starts from feeling great inside such a lovely point and you know, people sort of they talk about gratitude, but almost brush it off, you know, and I know sometimes when uh, we get to the mindset section of YBNB on the program, uh, and I start to talk about, you know, daily practices and morning routines and talk about meditation and gratitude and say, people, yeah, 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 I do that, you know, but, you know, they've heard of it, but do they really do it? There's a difference between saying, yeah, yeah, I'm grateful and actually really feeling it and really counting your blessings and thinking about, you know, the things that you are truly blessed with. And it, and, you know, Tony Robbins says this, he says, you can't be angry, fearful, you know, if you are grateful. I've actually tried it. I've actually tried. Can I be annoyed and grateful at the same time? You just can't, you know, so that's such a great point to sort of reset yourself internally first. And well, the then part, think about the outside. part that I really love is that you have the choice. Yeah. Nobody's telling you to feel miserable because it's just a miserable day. You have the choice to decide how you want to feel. Yeah. And you can literally program your brain and I've done it, but you know, like, I've, yeah. had, you know, I've, I've had moments of pain and horrible times and you just, it's a vicious circle. You sink deeper and deeper into the mire. You think you're old and you're fat and you're ugly and you're miserable and you're just, ugh. Mm. 
But hey, you can choose who wants to be in that downward spiral. You can choose not to feel like that and you can do stuff to help you not feel like that. Yeah, and any type of progress really contributes to inner happiness, no matter if that's progress in terms of, you know, your body, how fit you're getting, how you're looking, you know, what you're reading, what you're learning, people you, you get to meet. So um, no, those are some great tips. And what about um, some practical things that people want to change their financial state, you know, so maybe they've had a job and they don't anymore. Maybe they've had a business that's failed or maybe they just feel stuck in a rut, you know, and they're thinking, wow, you know, what, what these two ladies have just said about being in their 50s, this time for me, well, how do I reinvent myself in a business sense? What sort of things would you say? I always think you have to focus on what you're passionate about and what excites you. So for me, it happens to be finance and business and that whole world. But I think if you're passionate about a certain aspect of clothing or a certain aspect of beauty, whatever it is, to actually follow what you're naturally interested in. Because if you're naturally interested in it, it comes effortlessly and it's not something you have, you have to work at it, but you're working at it because you feel passionately about it. So always to focus on an area of business that you are interested in and where you feel you can make a real contribution through hard work. Because none of this comes easy. It hasn't come easy for you, Angela. It has certainly not come easily for me. And, and it takes work all the time. Roger mm. Federer did not become Roger Federer overnight. He spent mm. years and years and years practicing. And that's what we're always doing. Yeah. And, and when you're interested in something naturally, you do tend to go to it and read. So it's almost ironically, you know, you'll do your work and then you'll go and read the, th the thing that you're really interested in. I've spoken to people before about this where, um, you know, the example I've often used is there was a guy that um, he was very, very interested in horse racing and partic particularly, you know, thoroughbred, very expensive horses. Um, but he was in insurance and I said to him, well, can't you combine it? You know, don't they insure racehorses like that? And anyway, to cut a long story short, he actually started a business in bloodstock reinsurance and did really, really well because now he was doing the thing that he was naturally really good at, combining it with the thing he was naturally really interested in. When you work on something that you're, you're naturally interested in, you just automatically know more than other people about it. You know, whether that's history, whether that's finance, politics, you just know more about it. And so that immediately gives you an edge. And then the next thing is, you know, I know that, um, you know, you've got a profile on LinkedIn, Baylor, but you, you know, you're not one of those that is very um, out there on social media, um, but you are on LinkedIn still, and most professional people are. And, you know, if you, for example, choose a subject, you can go onto LinkedIn, you can put that subject, you can search for jobs, you can search for opportunities, and then you can start your campaign really of, of resetting your career. And I just think also knowing that nobody, it doesn't come down from heaven. You know, everybody, everyone has to work at it. There's no silver bullet, but if you're passionate about it and interested in it, you'll be doing it from a position of wanting to get better and wanting to do more at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple of other things then, you, I know you exercise a lot. Um, how do you stay trim? What sort of, uh, what's your uh, tips for eating and for, you know, general, general things like that? Give us some sort of tips that ladies can follow. I don't know if I'm the best person. I think you're so glowy, you're so... I'm glowing because I, I, I do exercise every day. My food is slightly erratic, so I have a terrible chocolate habit, I will confess. Um, I just think, so the one thing that I do do, and I do this religiously is, I mean, it's so boring, but I weigh myself. Yeah. So, and I can't kid myself about, you know, the number doesn't lie. 
So I do have splurgy days. I probably drink, uh, you know, every three, four times a week. I eat chocolate, but I do weigh myself. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm in total reality about the number. And that kind of reins me in. That's a great tip. You know, again, that's one of the things that we teach is knowing your metrics, you know, knowing what you're putting into your mouth, even if it is chocolate and whatever it is, which is absolutely great because I think, you know, life is for living, but being aware of the metrics and not sort of, you know, why be an ostrich about your body? I mean, know what happens to it. Know what's, you know, there, we can now know what's going on in our blood. We can know all of our biology if we choose to. Um, we can do a hell of a lot on the preventative medicine side. Um, and weighing yourself every day and, you know, doing things like counting how much water you have, making sure you have at least certain amount of water. These are simple things that can enable you to get balanced but still look and feel great. But it's also about being honest with yourself because there's no point living in denial. So I think a lot of my life has been about knowing where I'm at. Yeah. So if you want to get to somewhere, you've got to know where the heck you want to, where you're starting off from. So if you want a body like Lara Croft in, you know, Angelina Jolie and Lara Croft, you've got to know where you're starting from mm. to reach that objective. So being very clear and not in denial. Yeah. And it's never too late to start. You can start at any time. I mean, you and I have been members of Equinox, you know, for what, two or three years, but uh, I know you have a, a personal trainer, et cetera, as well, but it's never too late to start a fitness regime, a new career, um, a choice to be happy. Um, so uh, I think that's really where we could leave, leave the conversation because, you are uh, one more thing. Just yeah. visualize where it is you want to be, and yeah. you can define who you want to be. So do that, whether it's how you want to look, what you want to achieve in your business. Just define who you want to be. Then you have a, an end goal and visualize it, and then you will achieve it. Yeah, definitely. Just one last thing. Since you know you read so much as well, are there any particular books or uh, you know anything really materials that people ought to have a read to sort of start this journey if they really want to? you know get do a reset i don't think it's um i don't think it's particularly that about reading it's about looking into yourself and deciding what you want to be and who you want to be it's more about looking inwards i would say yeah and there are some very inspirational things on the internet um manifestation videos that are very helpful but i think it starts with just looking and writing down yeah who do you want to be what are your goals what do you visualize who do you want to be what do you want to be yeah and then everything is possible. Yes. As long as you give it time, which we now have. <laughs> All right. Well, lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much, Baylor. I'll see you Thank soon. You. And you. uh, yeah, it's, it's been great to, uh, to have your tips. So uh, everybody who's, uh, everybody who uh, has enjoyed this chat, have a little look. You can see Baylor on LinkedIn if you want to find out a bit more about her. And if you want to find out about uh, the Your Body Means Business program, we'll give you a link there as well. And uh, we follow uh, a number of uh, people in Baylor's area. So, uh, you know, if you want to also follow that subject and uh, learn a bit more about the finance world, then you can do that too. So lovely to see you and take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.